Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, you ready? I'm ready. This is Sean Clark, head football coach of App State Mountaineers, and you're listening to the Fun Belt Podcast. If you didn't know before, now you know why they call this the Fun Belt. Very excited about the Sun Belt. You know, while other conferences have been breaking up, our conference has become stronger. The state of Sun Belt football is the strongest in our history. I saw Fun Belt Conference, and I'm like, I don't know what this is, but I got to join the show. It sounds, it sounds a lot of fun. You know, you could argue the stability in our league is as good as any league there is. Um, you know, a couple of things have happened. The, the league presidents were smart enough several months ago to up the buyout in, in our league. So, you know, it, it would be cost prohibitive for, you know, somebody in our league to say, hey, you know, the, the AAC might get rated here or there and we may go there. And, you know, it, it looks like uh, their addition to, to replace SMU is going to end up being an army. Uh, in all likelihood, or at least in football. Uh, so, you know, I feel really good about our league. We've talked about it, um, you know, on our on our AD calls. We have an in, in-person meeting here in about a month. You know, I there, there are people that are knocking at our league. I think, uh, I wouldn't say a sense of panic, but there's uh, a sense of unrest, maybe, in Conference USA and uh, you know, maybe our neighbor 30 miles down the road, uh, there have been some overtures made to the league. Uh, the, the, uh, the school that calls themselves the Hilltoppers, uh, I know there's been some overtures there too. And, and you know, I say those, those, uh, I don't think that comes as totally out of left field to anybody that, that may be listening. Uh, but quite frankly, and, and we've had these discussions against, again, uh, uh, with the commissioner and amongst our ADs, neither one of those, and and really nobody else out there right now that's on, on the radar screen or, or is knocking on the door moves the needle for us from a revenue standpoint. So if you look at it, um, you know, why would we want to bring one or two more schools to the table that really does nothing for us revenue wise, that only slices the pie in in smaller pieces for everybody that that's here right now. And uh, I, th- I think that that's a consistent uh, feeling across the membership in our league. ULM athletic director, John Hartwell brings us into this week's preview of Sunbelt conference action. Nothing really surprising. We all know that the league's happy where they are. If the right team were to come along, obviously they would expand but that's why we're here from Funbelt Podcast, part of the Believe Network, Dusty Thibodeau, Warhawk Report, Jeremy Harper of HowRazor.com, and Shane Metlin of the infamous daily news record that I got right for that. Guys, it is really the heart of Sunbelt Conference action this week, kicking off at 11 a.m. Saturday and taking us all the way through the night. We have nothing but Funbelt action with two non-conference games including the 
the A-State Red Wolves, and, of course, the Raging Cajuns going to play the Gophers. Welcome in, guys. I know that was a long intro, but there's a lot going on and a lot to be excited about. That was an exhausting uh, introduction, but it, it was it was well said, well done. And you're right, this is the week when things get serious, right? Not just for the Sun Belt, but for a lot of conferences, when conference games more or less kick in. There are a couple non-cons on the schedule for the Sun Belt, which one is actually quite interesting. Uh, I know uh, the uh, Sun Belt has really been going all in on this this sort of uh, consecutive weeks for beating power fives. What do you guys think of that? Is that is that a little bit too thirsty, or is that like a legitimate thing to root for? I think it's legitimate. I mean, it's. I mean, I've I've posted this a couple times. There's only two leagues that have won non-conference games against Power Five teams every week this week, and it's the Sun Belt and the Big Ten. That's pretty good company to be in. Okay, all right. Now I feel a little bit better about this. Tibbs, you agree? For sure. I mean, right. we got to take take our wins where we can, quite literally, and you know everything we can to to make sure that we stay relevant. Maybe now that there's no more uh, Pack Two. As as part of the P five, there maybe the Sun Belt can be elevated to be that fifth spot for oh, the P five. I would love some autonomy. You know, all right, maybe I've always just felt like a little bit like I, I never like to toot that horn too hard because it makes it sound like well, we didn't really belong in that same discussion or room, and we're just a little G five team. We can't we can't handle that kind of stuff. And I, I, I guess I just feel a little self-conscious about that. You're telling me this is legit. This is a legit thing. It's only us in the Big Ten, and we should be happy about that. I, I think you're also kind of subtly pointing out, hey, uh, the American hasn't done this four weeks in a row. <laughs> the, the Mountain West hasn't done this four weeks in a row. Conference USA obviously hasn't done this four weeks in a row. You know, I mean, you can kind of point that out when you're talking about which, which league should get that uh, New Year's Day bowl spot. You know, awesome. And we collectively in the Sun Belt have probably done better than most SEC teams that can't even win against an SEC opponent. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, too. I, I feel like it's kind of ironic. I felt like some of the out-of-conference Power 5 wins we had last year was, were much bigger, right? And this year, you know, the, the, the some of the P5s that we played are kind of on the struggling spectrum, right? So I, I, I don't know if, if, it, if you compare the two years, if one seems a little bit better than the other. <laughs> Or maybe I, I just shouldn't even bring it up. Don't bring it up because I, I think <laughs> that they were all at that point the struggle bus teams. But I think last year was bigger name brands yeah. that were beaten with it being Notre Dame, Nebraska, Texas A&M. As opposed to this year, it's definitely been a lot more consistent wins happening. That's well said. Well, put, and that's why you do the introductions, Tibbs, because you are focused like a laser on excellence. I thought it's because I drew the short straw. And that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if we were concerned with excellence, we'd have Shane do it. So does that mean that we can go straight into our favorite segment of the week? I think we can. A quick mention, though, women's okay. soccer, of All course, right. is always oh. our, our beloved sport. Oh, God. Just because you're Arkansas State, Arkansas State Red Wolves, yeah. Only have one conference point with a tie. They're <laughs> 0 2 and 1. Doesn't mean you should dread soccer because there's a lot of teams that are actually undefeated. Teams wow. like South Alabama, Southern Miss, JMU, Georgia State, 
all sitting with two wins and a, and a couple of ties. And then you have Texas State, App State, 1-0 and 2, the good old snake-bitten record. <laughs> More importantly, your Warhawks, Jeremy, 2-1 and one in conference action. Man, congratulations for the Warhawks. That's the little school that can. Congratulations, you guys. This is like your Super Bowl. Way to go. We're a women's, women's golf and women's soccer school now. Yeah, man. You guys, you know, this is how excellence starts. It starts with the sort of non-revenue sports. And then suddenly you're winning conference championships in football, basketball, baseball, volleyball, all the big ones. Let's let's throw a shout out out to the App State women's soccer team. Okay. J- JMU had was seconds away from a fifth straight shutout yeah. when App State scored in the 89th minute. <laughs> And uh, salvaged a tie there. So I think, you know, you got to give them pretty credit for that. Yeah, it's it's definitely a – it's a thing I never like. When when it's 90 minutes and it's a 0-0 or even a 1-1 and both of those goals happened early on in the game. So to have some excitement down the stretch is always a great thing and, and ge- definitely generates the interest there of soccer. The team that I, I, I want to know more about – Marshall men's team is, you know, one of the premier men's programs in the nation. Women's team 0-3 right now in conference, 5-4-1 overall. They're on a four-game losing streak right now. Is there just that much disparity of women's soccer between the men's soccer at Marshall? I don't know. It's it's always weird to me when, like, there's a men's and women's team at a school and one's super successful and the other's not. I mean – most of the time they share facilities and resources and everything else. And, you know, it probably just comes down to coaching in this case, like, you know, Marshall's men's team has one of the best coaches in the country, obviously with his track record and the national championship under his belt. And uh, I don't know why else they wouldn't be getting it done on the women's side. I'm just curious. Do you feel that that moved the needle at all when Marshall won a national title in men's soccer? It didn't Huntington. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like uh, nationally, I mean, I think anytime you have a school and you can like say national champions, there's there's something to celebrate there. But I mean, Marshall, they travel for soccer. Their fans travel for soccer. They sell tickets and you know sell out the stadium for soccer. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily think of that corner of West Virginia cold country and steel mills in Ohio and the gigantic uh, oil refinery in Kentucky all right there as being like prime soccer territory, but it's uh they love it there. On that note, Jeremy, I was waiting for soccer talk to be over. But... <laughs> <laughs> he, he feels so excluded with these refined <laughs> sports. I mean, it'd be like yeah. if we started talking about field hockey or, yeah. you know, Reading competitions, anything of note that that involves the mind. Like yeah. I'm Mr. Soccer. I have to do some research for this, Jeremy. <laughs> I know. I need to learn more about, about the beautiful sport is what I need. The beautiful game is what they call it, right? I, I need to learn a little bit more about it. But but yes, yes, my 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 Red Wolves struggling to score some points, lost two goals to one to Southern Miss in their last game. So yes. Have to have to find a way to to increase my interest. But on that note, speaking of interest, 
It's the most interesting segment that we do, guys. Are you ready? The closing? No, not the closing. Not plugs, promos, and, and, and parting shots. Although everybody loves that. Everybody always comes up to me and says, man, I love your parting shots. No, actually, no one's ever said that to me. I'm talking about second and short. We paused for the goal, right? That was that's yeah. that's that's a pro move from us. All right, you guys remember how second and short works. I break the game, and then I select one of you to open up with some commentary, and then the other guy closes it out. So a lot of conference games, and let's go ahead and get this started. Let's get it started with second and short. All right, so we talked earlier about the P5 versus the Sun Belt, how the Sun Belt has a little streak going four weeks in a row with a P5 victory beneath our belt. We have another opportunity to increase that. Very first game of the week. It's 11 a.m. Big Ten Network, Louisiana, 3-1. At Minnesota, 2-2. Two two. The Gophers are 12-point favored for this. I don't know if they've deserved that. I don't know if Louisiana deserves to have any credit. They both seem to be struggling teams. Thibodeau, what do you think this, we're going to see out of this very first game coming out of the block? you got to hope that the Cajuns are ready to go. I mean, they're 0-3 in the series history of this matchup. Nice. The Gophers on a two-game losing streak, having lost to North Carolina at North Carolina and then at Northwestern. It could be a little bit of a trap game as they get ready to face Michigan next week. So are they already looking ahead to try to rain on John Jim Harbaugh's parade? Or are they going to let the Cajuns cook up a fifth straight P5 win? You know, Cajuns have found, you know, another good set of running backs with Draylon Washington and Jacob Kabuti. A little bit of flux with the quarterback situation. How do you see this shaking out? Shane, give us your Heisman analysis. I I don't know if Minnesota is going to be overlooking them coming off an overtime loss. I think they're going to be ready to go. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a matter of, do we see the Cajuns that blew out UAB and looked pretty solid there? Or the ones that have kind of squeaked by some lesser opponents? I don't know. I think it'll be a competitive game, but I'm not, I'm not super high on Louisiana pulling off a win on the road, but I, I could be wrong. Yeah, kind of hard to beat those Gophers. They'll be hard. They'll have a hard time stopping Darius Taylor uh, in that Gopher run game, which is pretty good. Uh, and let's face it, the Louisiana Cajuns have not had the best defense lately. Next game up, same time, is probably what I'm considering the O'Doul's maintain your edge game of the week. It's cold. It's refreshing. It has the crisp taste of Pilsner. <clears throat> South Alabama, 2-2 two and two, at James Madison, 4-0, 11 o'clock a.m. On ESPNU, Duke's a three-point favorite. Dukes, yes, they're looking solid. I think we get a little nitpicky when we talk about their pass defense. But overall, it looks like the Dukes are the cream of the crop, at least in the east and the west. It looked like it was supposed to be South Alabama. But South Alabama can't seem to get it together. Shane... Is this going to be the, the 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 battle of the Titans we're hoping it was going to be, or is South Alabama just going to collapse again? I, I'm expecting a competitive game. I 
I don't know. I mean, South Alabama, I didn't expect them to be the team that a quarter of the way through the season, we were talking about not knowing what you're going to get because they were super consistent last year. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely intriguing whether, you know, you're going to get the team that ran Oklahoma state off the field in Stillwater or I, I still don't know what to think of central Michigan either. They've played a tough schedule and, you know, maybe getting a win in, in mobiles, a better indication of what central Michigan is than anything else. I don't know, but you expect South Alabama to close that game out at home and they didn't, um, you know, with Daniel Webb going against JMU's past or not past defense, their, their rush defense, which is, you know, statistically the best in the country right now. Be very interesting to see if South Alabama can get anything going on the ground because so far nobody's done it against JMU. Grade A analysis from Shane. Uh, Tibbs, do you even have anything to add to that discussion after that award-winning analysis? I still love the Jaguars, but let's be real. <laughs> yes. Every big game that they've been a part of, they've fallen flat on. Mm. They went to UCLA last year, fell flat, yeah. snatching defeat from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Represent the league in the New Orleans Bowl. Yeah. Fall flat. Yes, they do. Kick off the season against the darlings of the G5, Tulane. Yeah. Fall yeah. flat. Absolutely. Have a big NFL Network game, or excuse me, ESPN game against Central Michigan at home. Fall yeah. flat. Fall flat, yeah. It doesn't get any better than, when, than going against the East Division champions. The JMU Dukes, and, and I think Kirk Signetti is going to have his phone out. He's going to be recording highlights, <laughs> and then he's going to hand it to the governor at the post hand, uh, post game handshake, and 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 tell him to study it. <laughs> it's Dukes all day long. Oh, I can wow. tell you that's one thing he will not do this week. <laughs> that was that was some emotional analysis from Timothy there. Who's been hurt again and again and again by the Jaguars. Jaguars. I, I always pronounce it incorrectly. All right, so following that game, you know, uh, it, we got a game at 2.30 p.m. on ESPN+. Plus. The plus stands for quality. Arkansas State 2-2 two and two at Massachusetts 1-4. and four. The Minutemen given the one-point home edge. You know, let me tell you something about the Minutemen. They are... 0-4 after week zero, right? They, they won their week zero game against New Mexico State. And then they played Auburn and got crushed. And then they played uh, uh, Ohio, Miami of Ohio, and got crushed. But then the next two games, they lost by a total of five points. The Midland might be kind of a dangerous 1-4 team. Shane, what do you think? You're closest to Massachusetts. Massachusetts. <laughs> Physically. What do you think we're going to see out of this? I'm not particularly close to Massachusetts, but yeah, yeah. okay. Compared to the rest of us. Yeah. I'm just looking. <laughs> I'm looking at the trends. The Red Wolves are trending up. Ooh. They've They've managed to turn things around since that. What we thought was just a morally devastating opening week yes. and then, and then, you know, get blown out by the would be rival Memphis Tigers yes. the next week. 
We thought they were done. We thought they were done. And and the Red Wolves have responded. Well, UMass has not. They've they've become what we thought they were going to be, losing four in a row. I'm just looking at the trends, and I think Arkansas State goes up there and makes it three in a row, which I didn't think I was going to say a couple weeks ago. Shane is looking at the data. He is crunching the numbers, and it comes up Red Bulls. What do you think, Tibbs? This is the data line? This is the second game in the series. Last year, the Minutemen headed down to Jonesboro and walked back to UMass with a two-point win, 35-33. I see that being the return trip, quite literally, for the Red Wolves. This time, they get their third row as they get the big non-conference, independent Notre Dame conference win. Do we get to count that as a P5 win? Why not? We can do that if you. we can count. If if Notre Dame can kind of be its own Power 5 league all by itself, then we might, might as well go ahead and do that. You know what was interesting about that game last year, guys? Arkansas State went 0 for 8 on third down conversions. I mean, that's almost impossible to do and still win a football game. I don't know how that happened. I, I like this idea as a marketing strategy of let's lump independence in with power fives and then throw UMass and army and stuff into that, that record and make it look even yeah. better. And think how many teams would just say, well, we're independent now. And they would- I mean, a lot, of, a lot of teams got UConn on the schedule too. Like it'll look yeah. good. If you start throwing the independence in there, like power five slash independent, there's your marketing strategy. So speaking of marketing strategy, this is a terrible segue. Because I don't know if there is a big marketing strategy here between Old Dominion, 2-2, two and two, versus Marshall <clears throat> in that crushing defense playing at 2.30 p.m. ESPN Plus. 14-point favorite for the Thundering Herd. I, I feel like it could be even more. And it's not because I feel like the Herd has some great offense. Uh, quite frankly, I feel like Cam Pancher is, is not like doing exactly just like crushing it out there. But that defense is, that defense against uh, Virginia Tech just looked outstanding. Shane, what are we going to see from this game between Marshall and then Old Dominion, which is probably the oddest <laughs> team in all of the Sun Belt? Yeah, I mean, I think I think you hit on it. If you're, if you're Marshall, you just want Fancher to manage the game for you, not turn it over and let your defense win this one. Because, I mean... Oh, ODU, yeah, you, you mentioned the oddest team in the Sun Belt. You know, they look like they should beat Wake Forest one week. Yeah. And then look like they should lose to a team that's barely out of Division Two the next. It's it's crazy. It's, uh, you know, it's hard to say why that happens. But if they can get pressure on the quarterback, if Marshall can get pressure on the quarterback, then I don't think ODU has a ton of chance to win this one on the road. Tim, do you agree? There's not a single thing other than loving to talk baseball with Ricky Ronnie of why Old Dominion should be in this game. And yes, that's as logical as you can get because that's exactly the way it is. But my gut tells me Old Dominion makes a game out of this. Maybe they don't win, uh-huh. but would you say it was 14 and a half? Uh, I, think know, the I, monarchs co- yeah. I think the Monarchs cover. I, I, I think they, they put a little bit of fear there in the huff shuffle and uh-huh. The herd get the win to stay atop the the East standings. 
But I like the Monarchs for some reason just to, to take those 14 points. Do you think uh, Old Dominion rolls with Billy Wiles again after those three picks, or do you think they stick with Jack Shields? I think they got to go wild with it. I mean, he kind of let them down the stretch. He's the Mm -hmm. one that kind of contained the game late and and really kept them in that game that they should have been dominating the entire time against Commerce. But who knows? We never know what exactly Ricky Ronnie is going to do with (laughs) the good old Monarchs. Like I said, I like him to cover, though. The wild card card is ODU has shown an ability to score on defense – make some big plays, game-changing plays on defense and special teams. And like we talked about Cam Fancher, like what you want from him is just not to throw interceptions and not make mistakes. And if they, if ODU can force that, they might make it more of a game than it looks like it's going to be. I think a simpler game plan for the herd is Fancher, take the snap. Good. Turn around, hand it to Ali, (laughs) chase him down the field so that we can do it again. Yeah. And maybe throw him a block if you can, right? uh... Sure. What else he got going? Three picks against two TD passes for Cam Fancher right now. All right, here's a game that I, I feel like could determine the future for both teams. One trending down, one trending up. 6 p.m. on the NFL Network. How's the NFL networking? So many Sunbelt games. Coastal Carolina, two and two. At Georgia Southern, three and one. The Eagles are six and a half point favorite. I got I, I just feel like the Eagles are going to destroy Coastal Carolina. I don't know why I feel that way. Just, I guess by the the last time I saw them, the sort of uninspired uh, offense that they've been putting out, the uninspired play overall from the Chanticleers, I just don't feel like the Chanticleers are the Chanticleers anymore. If Davis Brin doesn't throw his five, you know, interceptions (laughs) against Wisconsin, Georgia Southern might very well be 4-0. Shane... Tell me, is this going to be a close game, or is it going to be the blowout I just predicted? No, I'm with you. I think Georgia Southern can win by at least a couple scores. They're just like we we I talked about which way the teams were trending when we talked about your Red Wolves. <laughs> Same thing here. I mean, with the exception of the five interceptions at Wisconsin, Georgia Southern's played really, really well so far. They're expecting, you know, maybe the biggest crowd they've had in years down there in Statesboro. So they're going to be fired up. They're going to want to kind of, you know, stick it to Grayson McCall. I think everybody in this league kind of does at this point. Um, I think it's, yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's Eagles all the way. Tim, do you agree with that? Is it Eagles all the way? Eagles all the way. Gotta, <laughs> gotta say this. Okay. That the Eagles are, Five and four leading the all time series, two and one in Statesboro. Brent Brent is, is gonna have a career day, is, is my my biggest prediction there. Might have a pick, but that's about it. Other than that, Grayson McCall will be transferring to Georgia Southern and dunking himself in Great Eagle Creek before he leaves Statesboro. <laughs> the loser should have to drink a pint of water from Eagle Creek. I feel a little bit bad for Tim Beck because I feel like Coastal is a team that everybody in the Sun Belt just really wants to take it to now. And it has nothing to do with Tim Beck, but he's going to like, he's going to have to deal with that this year. Yeah. Tim's like, why did I have to come here with a target on my back? That wasn't, that wasn't my intention. What would be worse though? 
the way Coastal Carolina is kind of getting treated as as the huge target on their back, or if Liberty was at once again playing, it seems like every Sun Belt team this year, who who would get the the bigger uh, razzle? Hmm. Liberty, maybe. Probably, yeah. I don't know. Everybody kind of hates Liberty. I don't know why. I, I mean, I guess I think I know why. I don't. I just don't want to say it out loud. It's just like uh, people don't like Liberty. <laughs> I think people like Coastal. I think people outside of the Sun Belt have favorable views of Coastal, right? They love the teal yeah. field. They like the, the 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 net sponsored by the gun and ammo place. They they love the the mullets and the motorcycles that drive onto the field before the game starts. I think they love all that. But uh, yeah, we we're kind of tired. Hey guys, if I could have two O'Doul's Maintain Your Edge games of the week. This would be like the second one. Troy, two and two at Georgia State, four and zero, six p.m. ESPN Plus. Panthers get the home field advantage, one point five spread. This is Darren Granger doing his playmaking all over the place. This is Troy, whose defense put a cork in Austin Reed. Can he put a cork in Granger? We don't know. Tibbs, does Troy have? One, does it have the offense to overcome Georgia State's defense, which is pretty good in the red zone? And two, does Georgia State have enough Darren Granger to overcome that Troy defense? I think that's what we see. I think this is the game that determines if the Panthers are for real mm-hmm. or if what we've seen these first four weeks are flukes. Yes, mm-hmm. the Panthers – are one of 23 4-0 teams in the FBS and one of and and one of only 5 in the non-P5 uh-huh. joining the ranks of JMU, Fresno, Air Force and Liberty. But how Darren Granger plays is how the Panthers go. If if Granger does Granger things, Panthers win it hands down. If he has a little bit of a struggle, Summerall takes full advantage. Kamani Vidal, Solomon, Gunnar Watson, the whole Trojan cast have their career days. And we say, well, that was a good run for the Panthers, but now it's uh, back to cheering for the Trojans. You know, Troy might come down to to Gunnar Watson. The one thing that you can do on the Panthers is you can pass on the Panthers. Pass defense, not spectacular. Shane, what do you think? Is Georgia State for real? And would beating Troy prove that they were for real? I Yeah, I think it would prove they're for real. I mean, kind of what I'm pretty curious about is Georgia State comes home 4-0. They're not known for getting great crowds there. Yeah. Troy is not a very far drive for the Troy fans. Oh, I think I know like, where this is going. What's, what's the crowd going to be like? It should be Troy fan, or it should be Georgia State fans. Uh-huh. Just absolutely packing that place to welcome home their four and team that's never been four and before. I'm not sure they're going to have the kind of home field advantage that they should have in this one, but I kind of hope they do. I kind of like seeing Georgia State like you know competitive and you know in the mix for this one. I I think they're for real. I don't know if they pull this one out, but I think they're going to be in the mix in the Sun Belt. 
kind of rooting for Georgia State because they've had so many years of just not quite getting it together. Isn't it unfortunate for Troy, though, that the two conference games they've played so far, both 4 and up. That's 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 pretty uh, unfortunate scheduling for them. I, yeah, I think Shane, Shane is all about the Panthers for the wrong reason, though. He just wants oh. to hear the train horn. <laughs> Choo-choo! <laughs> All boys like to hear the choo-choo. Yeah, I love it too. I, people hate the choo-choo. I love it. I think it's great. It's up to your team to stop the choo-choo train. All right, this you know, all right, all right. You know, to me, there is levels of intrigue in this game that maybe doesn't seep to the surface immediately. Texas State three and one at Southern Miss one and three. Six p.m. on ESPN Plus. The Bobcats are given a seven-point edge, and I, I think that's fair. But I, I tell you what, Frank Gore looked really good against Arkansas State. He's having some foot problems. He has some ankle problems. And it, it, you could see that late. But, man, when he hits you, like that initial contact, get ready for some yak. Yards after the, the yards after contact. Because he is going to collect his yak. That guy, it, speaking of trains, he is a train himself. I would not be surprised if Southern Miss makes this a really good game possibly even wins the game. What do you think, uh, Tibbs? You you know these boob cats better than anybody. Do do they have – is there a shot chance that Southern Miss upends them? It'll be interesting to see more so of how do they handle playing on the road. They're, they're, they played at Baylor, I know, to open the season. It's a road mm-hmm. game. It's right up the road, though. It's not a true road test for them. I think San Antonio was maybe a little bit more of a road test, and and they held their own. Obviously, didn't get the win there. But this will be their first real leaving home test. And the intriguing part of it to me, the pass defense for the Eagles is third in the Sun Belt, 23rd overall in the FBS. The passing game for the Viva La Cats, fourth in the Sun Belt, 40th overall, which one of those breaks is who wins this game? I like TJ Finley. I like this offense under GJ Kenny to go to four and one on the season. Oh, now is that, do you concur with that analysis, Shane Metlin, of the daily news record? I think so. I think Texas State is the better team right now. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm very curious, though, to see the response from Southern Miss. Like just the emotional response to come home, their their fan base turned on them a little bit this week. I mean, to oh, be honest with you, yeah. I was I was like surprised how quickly Southern Miss fans seemed to be done with Will Hall after he kind of overperformed last year. Yeah, I thought um, he, they were, and, he was like he could do no wrong. <laughs> yeah, I I mean it. I think I'm curious to see if the players kind of rally around him, rally around what's happening, and and want to prove themselves at home, or if it goes the opposite direction for Southern Miss at this point. Um, but I, I think Texas state is the better team, but I could see a, a motivated Southern Miss team doing some damage in this one. Yeah. You know, it, it got a little ugly for Will Hall at Hattiesburg this week. People like, like openly daydreaming about Ed Orgeron somehow becoming the coach of Southern Miss, which I thought was kind of funny. Because uh, I love it when there's a serious discussion like that. Like, oh, well, what would we have to do to get into Hattiesburg? There's nothing. You got Will Hall. He's, he's your guy. Just just roll with Will Hall. You'll be okay. Oh, uh, Ed yeah. Orgeron in, in, in Hattiesburg? 
That'll never happen. No one could understand him. They couldn't understand him when we when he was at Nichols or when he was at LSU. What makes you think going to Hattiesburg is gonna be any better? He's like if if some magician gave sentience to a boulder, just he was also only able to talk. <laughs> uh last game. This is a good one. This is deceptively good too. Partly because we haven't seen the Warhawks in a little while. They've taken their bye week and before that, and they were at Texas AM where they, you know, received a, a moment of truth, but also receiving a lot of truth has been Appalachian State. Two and two. They get to go to the Bayou to ULM, 7 p.m. on ESPN Plus. Mountaineers, a 13 and a half point favorite. I think a lot of that is, oh, it's ULM and it's Appalachian State. But man, Appalachian State, there's something going on in Boone right now that just isn't city. Though. You know, how does a, a team with Nate Noel, who seems to be running over everyone, how are they not scoring more touchdowns? It's kind of strange to me. ULM has that tough defensive line. They may be able to bottle up Nate Noel. Tibbs, what do you think about this game? I think it comes down to, I think, Obviously, we didn't really see the run stop against Texas A&M. Go figure. P5 v G5. But when when the Warhawks defense is playing kind of on that G5 level, like we're seeing this upcoming weekend, that defense is legit, and especially against the run. So once again, I think it's all about quarterback play and how does Joey Aguilar play for the Mountaineers to determine how wide of a margin of victory is. The Warhawks still haven't really shown me much on the offensive side of the ball of what they can do to move the ball. And until that offense clicks, it, it's it's hard for the defense to constantly be on the field after constant three and outs and, and still pick the Warhawks. So I like the Mountaineers, but it, ULM could make it a little interesting. Everyone hates going to Monroe for some reason, and so there's always that advantage. Maybe that's worth 16 points or so. Okay, all right. You know, uh, I understand where you're coming from, too, when it comes to, like, you could have a good defense, and it just it doesn't look good because by the time it hits the third quarter and they've been on the field far longer than anybody else and they're gasping for air and they start giving up touchdowns, you begin to assume that the defense isn't very good, and it's just because they're just not getting any help from their offense. That is a very frustrating place to be in. Shane, what do you think? You're... You know, as a citizen of the Sun Belt East, you've seen these, this Appalachian State team under a, a sort of a more powerful microscope. What do you think is going on with Appalachian State? And and are they going to beat ULM as handedly as Vegas thinks they are? I don't think as handily as Vegas thinks they are. I mean, I think it's going to be a competitive game. Like you said, ULM stops to run. I think you do that against App. You give yourself a chance. <clears throat> it's another game just like the Southern Miss game where I'm curious to see how a team responds at this point, you know, you lose in kind of like the craziest, most devastating way possible last week, another fan base that's kind of down on their coach right now. Like how does that team respond last year? I don't think App State responded too well to the criticism. Like when you the things you saw coming out of social media and everything else from, from their players, I don't think they responded too well. It, depending on how things are going in the locker room right now, I think ULM definitely keeps this one pretty close. I think that, you know what, though, Shane, we, we, we both kind of agree on that. 
with with Tibbs being a little more cautious. But you and I, we thought that maybe ULM would show a lot more against AM, and they did not. So uh, I don't know. Maybe 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 we're tainted on ULM analysis, and maybe it's it's Tibbs that knows it more more than anyone. So uh, I, I I guess we'll see. I, I hope I hope for for Tibbs' sake we're right. Because I, I think the league is more fun when ULM is playing at a higher level. So, and it's also kind of fun. I'm not going to say, actually, I am going to say it. It's more fun when Appalachian State fans are in a tizzy. That's like, it's so crazy. It's not that you would know, Shane, because you've never actually been on the receiving end of, of Appalachian State craziness. Uh, not really. Not, not in football so much. <laughs> And that's it. We've done it, guys. It's another successful uh, uh, edition of Second and Short. One more thing before we get into our plugs, promos, parting shots. The most recent edition of the Fun Belt 5 out. Okay. Georgia Southern takes home the fifth spot. Marshall Mm -hmm. at four. Troy, three. Georgia State, number two. Mm -hmm. And the reigning champs sitting atop. For everything but the preseason poll, the JMU Dukes, they have illegal sideline antics, but they're still sitting at 4 0. Yeah, you think they learned their lesson? By the way, I remember in our last uh, uh, podcast, you had said, Well, what if the footage from that drone was really cool? And I was like, Ah, oh, who knows? Maybe it's not. It was cool. Yeah, I think you uh, kind of forwarded around and it, it got passed around. It looked really good. How do you, how do you reprimand a team for producing such cool footage? I just would have yeah, liked I, the drone to maybe clip the band as they were going by or something. Maybe land inside a tuba and then like the tuba player sucks it in and goes starts joking. <laughs> That'd be funny. I, I don't know how to follow that. In other news, yes, we have plugs, promos, and parting shots. And Shane, since you're so eager to go, please lead us in. Well, since. We have some time before the next X League game in Japan. Oh, not going to talk too much about that. Okay. They don't, they don't play every seven days. They they, oh, they, right. they give themselves some rest. Um, they probably need it. They deserve it. So, so just a simple plug to to read dnronline.com slash sports and read all about JMU and the rest of the Sun Belt and uh, check us out there. As for me, I too have a simple plug. If you liked uh, – Second short. You can find a lot of that analysis at howraiser.com under this week's Sun Belt Heat, week five, where we make all the predictions, the analysis, the game times, the odds, everything you could possibly want to know about the Sun Belt slate. You'll find it on howraiser.com. Take a good look. I could use the clicks. For my plug, be sure to go to funbeltpodcast.com, taking you to our Believe Network site. You can shop merchandise there where we have a great Funbelt Podcast t-shirt. I got one. I got one in gray. Takes about a week, week and a half. Fantastic quality. I'm anxious to break it out next time I am at a Funbelt game. I think Jeremy... I I too have a shirt from, from the store. I'm telling you, it takes off about 15 pounds. I, I need to order mine. 
Everybody was telling me how slender I looked. Couldn't believe it. I didn't say we were selling girdles. We're selling t-shirts, Jeremy. <laughs> Your sex appeal will increase by 300% just by wearing these shirts. But check it out, funbeltpodcast.com. Hit the shop button. We have something there. We have a boob cat t-shirt. Yeah, we, we have the fainting goat play. We have Absolutely. our logo out there, mm-hmm. as well as something for Georgia Southern fans. Put Irk in the hall. Put Irk in the hall. Cowards. Uh, that'll be, I don't know. I don't remember. I'll, I'll send it in the Twitters. All right. I mean, we rely on you for everything. So. I don't know why you're talking about here. <laughs> Good fucking luck. Make sure you edit all that out. <laughs> Good fucking luck. And that's how it's going to start. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the close. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No one co goes to the end anyway. So I get rewarded with that. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.